0: the podcast making public transit taking kiss dealing wheel and dealing son of a gun tim the nerd welcoming you to another episode of friends talking nerdy part of the deluxe edition network head to deluxe network.com to find out about all of the lovely shows on the den seated next to me in a sweater that would make mr rogers proud we have the greatest legal mind in the pacific northwest professor aubrey how you doing
1: I am really excellent, Tim. really excellent. How about you?
0: I'm doing good. I've not been used as a chew toy uh, during the past week, so that is good there.
1: That is excellent. Mm-hmm. Was it actually two weeks ago that that happened?
0: uh roughly what am i referring to because the people at uh, at home don't know this um oh, okay. <laughs> i work with dogs and uh there was uh two incidents where i got bit by dogs at work mm. um, nothing major nothing i had to go to the hospital for uh the first time was kind of funny because um like i was trying to break up a fight between three other dogs and it wasn't really a fight but like some of the dogs can get super hyper mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of essentially break them apart to distract them but then on a note. Where I felt this sharp pain on my back right thigh, this dog came up behind me, and I don't know if that dog was just stimulated by anything, but just bit me on the thigh. <laughs> um, there was like no blood, but it was like bruises. Bruises, yeah, there was that. Um, but the big thing was a couple of days later, um, there was a dog that was going out. There was another one that was trying to sneak through as a gate crasher, and I was trying to pull that one back. And then before you knew it. Bam, the place just went violent fast, and one of the dogs, it was a pit bull, ended up biting me on the hand and and having blood
1: everywhere.
0: Oh, my God. To be clear, I realize uh, that I, you know, I... Created that situation, like you know, speaking to a friend of the show, Rhonda the vet, uh, about it, she had mentioned that you know, in her experience, ninety nine percent of the time, if she got bit or scratched by an animal, it was her fault in some way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like dogs are dogs; they're gonna do what they do, you know. And it's like I basically I was so focused on not having a gay crasher that I didn't realize that letting one dog through i can easily get that dog and bring it back there was no need to have that type of you know energy energy going on especially when there were a couple like other dogs there that you know were high energy themselves and a couple that were guarding me because guards dogs will guard you yeah you know but other than that i don't want to make it seem like it's a bad place at all it's been a wonderful work experience and that is shocking to say in the city
1: that's really wonderful. I mean it's not wonderful that you got bit, but it's wonderful that you got bit and you're like okay with it cuz you like your job so much.
0: It's yeah, I mean you it, working with an animal, you have to take the good and the bad that comes with that animal. And when you're working with 60, 70, 80 of them all at once, you got to be yeah, I mean the, the dogs are not going to be like I'm going to get that human dogs are just like oh i see the thing over there i'm gonna run Yeah, yeah, yay, yay, yay and, and type of deal um but they're, they're fun to hang around like this great dane that, that that's there is awesome and when the great dane stands on, on her, her back two feet she's almost as tall as me but she has like the personality of a rambunctious two-year-old just running around and whatnot. And then there will be times where, you know, she'll get in trouble and you have to kind of separate them at times, essentially a timeout. Mm. And it's funny, you put her in the timeout area, which is like a, a caged off uh, place. She will stand up with both of her front paws at the top of the gate door and look out like, hey, mister, I'm <laughs> done. Can I come out and play again? <laughs>
1: so could she get over
0: it? Um, I don't think she could have. I mean, because there are other dogs that do have the ability to spring real hard or real high. Um, uh-huh. but you know, she was just more like, Hey, everybody, I'm here to play. Um, so there's that, and then of course, the poop eaters.
1: Oh, the poop eaters,
0: yeah, like dogs are wacky that way like the you know they'll go outside and poop and then you'll have like three or four other dogs can come and sniff the poop on the ground and then like they will have like looks on their faces they'll like look around and then you'll see one like take a nibble and then look right at you and then the look on their face is just like yeah i'm eating this you know what it tastes like just the way it smells delicious you know
1: (laughs) so gross that is so gross
0: Yeah, yeah, but that's what I do clean up poop all day, Uh, clean up the pee messes, and just basically try my best to make sure those dogs have as stress free a time there as they can because there is nothing sadder, I guess, than seeing like it be four, five, six o'clock and some of the dogs are just like, I'm done having fun. I want to go home now. Why isn't my owner there, mister? I see you let everybody else out that door. Why aren't you at this gate letting me out, mister? Come on, let me. Out. And, you know, you can't say, you know, hey, there's only an hour left, you know, th- 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 and stuff like that to a dog. You just got to do what you can to comfort them, but you can't go overboard with that either because that could exacerbate their fears.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, a fine balance, it sounds like
0: indeed, and I think I'm definitely finding that balance I mean again j- you know just <laughs> I mean it's like they're paying me money to be there for with dogs all day it's like darn <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's right you seem to be enjoying it quite a bit
0: yes yes but what about you how's your week been
1: sorry let me put this crinkly plastic thing in my pocket
0: well thanks editing
1: you know who um He really likes crinkly plastic things. And why I'm putting that in my pocket is because Mimsy really likes plastic things. And so there happened to be one on the table and she was trying to eat it. So I needed to take it away from her. So that happened. Yeah, so um, I've had a great week. It is almost the Lunar New Year. Um, It is celebrated heavily in China and Japan. I didn't know that it was celebrated in Japan until last night, actually, because I went to a little gathering, a gathering of women, and we talked about the Lunar New Year and said what we were intending for this year and how we were going to embody the lessons of this year's animal, which is the wood dragon.
0: What is a wood dragon?
1: So there's lots of different kinds of dragons, and they each are mythologically, you know, have, have meaning. So there's an iron dragon, and it's strong like iron, and the wood dragon grows quickly. Like wood? Like wood.
0: Right.
1: It is malleable. You know, you can do things with it, and um, you can also burn it. So it's a lot about starting new things, uh, things coming to fruition, big exciting energy for the year, uh, like projects are going really well.
0: Now you had some bullet points here that yes. you're going to dive into. Yes. What are, the, um, what are the bullet points entail, I guess?
1: Well, just things about the year upcoming uh, during this year of the Wood Dragon
0: Okay. Well, start, start us off. Let us know. Uh...
1: Okay. So, the Year of the Dragon brings good fortune, power, passion, and new opportunities. Anticipate a year that's exciting, creative, and transformational. That's the first bullet point. So, that's pretty exciting, right? Passion, good fortune, power, and new opportunities.
0: Those are always nice to have, yeah, especially if they come with a lot of money.
1: Okay, number two. There can be sudden breakthroughs and fast changes of fortune. Dragon can change size from tiny silkworm instantly growing large enough to fill the sky.
0: Vague enough that that could end up meaning anything positive (laughs) in your life during a particular year, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. -hmm. Okay, as the luckiest and most auspicious of the 12 animals, the dragon is thought to signify unprecedented opportunities. In a dragon year, people are said to be able to harness the creature's intelligence, leadership, and abilities to pursue their dreams with creativity, passion, courage, and confidence. So the last dragon year was in the 90s, and the next dragon year will be in 20 years. So. We'll never be at this moment in our lives during a dragon year again until we're seventy.
0: I hope to be there if these lucky Jaws genes get me there.
1: <laughs> okay, Dragon Year is an excellent time to start a business, get married, Ew. have a child Ew. or travel the world.
0: Well, depending on where mid you are.
1: Uh risk-taking and forceful pursuit of goals yields results. Either way, life's pace is fast, dynamic, and anything can happen in a dragon year. 2024 is the year of the wood dragon, making this wood year a time for quick growth and development. The year of the wood dragon symbolizes strength, vitality, and new beginnings with confidence and courage, growth, prosperity, and success. It offers countless opportunities for personal and professional achievements, encouraging boldness and pursuing dreams with creativity and passion. The Wood Dragon's influence suggests a period ripe for initiating fresh endeavors, grounded in creativity and confidence. Initiatives you undertake are more likely to flourish, providing a secure path forward. Sounds pretty great. I'm pretty excited about it. And big thanks to my friend Donna Blazer, who... Uh, wrote these little bullet points about the wood dragon and was the hostess of the party that I went to last night.
0: Well, there you go. Thank you for that, Miss uh, Linda, you said? Donna. Donna. Yes, I was paying attention, I swear. I was testing Aubrey here. I knew the name. I just wanted to make sure Aubrey remembered.
1: Yes, of course you did. Yeah. So, you know, my intention that I set with sort of this wood dragon energy was to sort of do more things I enjoy at work.
0: That can mean a lot of things.
1: <laughs> I'm not quite sure what it means. I just know I would like to have more fun at work. Because if you don't have fun at work, you've either got to make work fun or you got to find fun work. And I would rather make work, work fun than find fun work.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, a fun job is great. And, you know, for me right now, I do got a a job that's that's fun. I mean, being able to hang out with dogs is fucking amazing, but I would much rather have a boring job that, you know, still pay the bills and whatnot compared to nightmares that I've encountered before, Yeah. um, I, you know, I think a lot of those nightmares had to end up, you know, falling in my lap too, because let's be honest here, stuff like Apple that I've complained about before I knew well, well before I actually left that company that I, I should have left. And yet I didn't, I made it worse for me. So, you know, in the spirit of the wood dragon, I think the idea is to pursue your happiness and don't give up yeah yeah i mean you never know it
1: happen at any time
0: yeah you never know when success will happen and also success is going to mean something different for everybody like i consider this podcast a major success even though we're not making seven figures or anything like that um it would be great if we did one day but you know is what it is yes you know so anyway
1: the other thing i wanted to mention is that i like you have been bit by an animal only i got bit by a cat on my face
0: this week
1: yeah check it out
0: oh i do see that bruising it is for the folks at home that don't have the ability to see the professor's face right now um it is a red mark that is just to the right of the professor's eye it's like between uh her ear and her right eye and it looks like just um like a very small vampire bitter on the face
1: exactly that's exactly what i think it looks like like a very small vampire came and gave me a kiss right there yeah so
0: if like willow was a vampire yeah
1: <laughs> willow Offgood. yeah whatever <laughs> that guy <laughs> that guy speaking of that guy or speaking of movies
0: Or speaking of short people doing larger roles, yes. (laughs) Um, This is kind of an update on something we talked about a few weeks ago, and that's creations from Seth MacFarlane. Yes. Um, In January on the cock, um, his new uh, TV show, Ted, which is a a prequel series to the Ted movies, debuted. And this was another instance of you kind of getting used to his type of humor. And... (laughs) Tell the folks about your impressions of the Ted franchise, the movies and and the TV show. I guess
1: I really enjoy them. I was just really charmed by the teddy bear who is this sort of Bostonian redneck. I guess I'd say, and you know he's sort of a smartass, and he's always egging his friend, who's human, on.
0: Yeah, to- Marky Mark. Marky Mark the movies in the movies.
1: Mark Wahlberg who plays his best friend, who wished him alive.
0: Who wished him alive? Who works at a thirty eight thousand dollar a year job yet um still ends up with like a multi room house and a decent car, you know, in Boston too. In Boston, only thirty eight thousand a year.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was confusing. (laughs) We kept trying to figure out like what could he afford in Boston. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, they did in the first movie at least with uh, his girlfriend, um, who was who he ultimately married in the first film, but divorced in the second, uh, played by Mila Kunis. It was spoiler. A ten-year-old plus movie. I mean, come on! I'm not going to worry about that. You know, Darth <laughs> Vader is Luke's father. People, um, but you know, we did determine in uh, that you know it. That that story showed that the Mila Kunis character was actually more well-to-do than um, Mark Wahlberg's character. And it shows you how much. uh, John, I think his name was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. So I I was at least lucky that they had that attention to detail because there was a point to where uh, in the first movie, John shows up at Ted's apartment. The guy who played Flash Gordon was there and they all did cocaine. But then she shows up and is disappointed and takes her car back.
1: Yeah, it takes your car back.
0: Yeah, uh, it was that scene. that was, it was just, like
1: a Jetta or something.
0: But r- richer than he could afford, you know.
1: Yeah, like he was in the car and we were like, how does he have this car if he has a $38,000 a year job?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we worry about, folks. <laughs> Not whether the story's good, you know, just how the fuck are they making their money?
1: <laughs> yeah, like, why, you know, why is it unrealistic? Like, why can't they just be realistic?
0: Uh, it's not sexy enough in Hollywood. And do you think Mark Wahlberg is going to like shoot scenes in like a studio apartment somewhere? No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the second movie, uh, Ted 2, Electric Boogaloo, whatever you want to call it. Um, I-, I think like any sequel, it suffered from sequelitis. It's like it didn't need to be made. The movie, of course. Um, And the fact that they didn't have Mila Kunis and just established that this Ted 2 happens four years after the first film. And, you know, he's already divorced and, you know, bitter and all that. And it's just like you kind of killed the good momentum you had with the first one. Um, So that was my thing. But what did you think of Ted 2?
1: I did not enjoy it so much as Ted 1. I found that some of the jokes were (laughs) ill-conceived, I guess I'd say.
0: Yeah, even... Yeah, it kind of lazy too, lazy writing because uh, Seth wrote it with a couple of writers that he's been associated with for a long time, starting with Family Guy, and they ended up using a few gags in the film that originated on Family Guy. Oh, yeah, like the scene in the improv where you know they're they're you know yelling out suggestions uh, to the improv oh, people uh-huh. on stage, but it's uh-huh. all you know like nine right. eleven type of deal. Um, They did that on Family Guy. And it's like I said before when we talked about Seth MacFarlane. Like, his type of humor is really about throwing everything at the wall and hoping it sticks. It's great when it sticks because you can get some really big laughs. But that type of humor has to consistently hit. And if there's something that's off, it can take you out of it. Um, But having said that... We go into the TV show. I know you were a big fan of that TV show. Um, You saw more of the episodes than I did. I don't know if you got through the entire first season.
1: I don't think so. I've watched quite a few episodes, and I've kind of do this thing where I watch the whole show, but I sort of fade in and out of sleep. Yeah. and
0: Kind of like talking to me. No, I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, Fade in and out of sleep, and so I kind of don't remember exactly everything that's happened.
0: In the show but like uh the orville i think you've said before that that has impelled you to kind of watch it again and again right
1: right exactly and then i pick up on new things every time i watch it
0: now the show compared to the movies how would you compare it now it now for the episodes in question i kind of get the impression that they kind of made them in a unique way because at some point in the future, they may want to edit them down to a traditional half hour and put them on TV. Mm. You know, like each episode is like 40, 50 minutes. And, you know, if conceivably, theoretically, if you cut out the R-rated stuff and, you know, TV 14, you know, you can get away with a lot with TV 14. You know, if you cut out the R-rated stuff, though, it would bring it down to a traditional half hour. But each episode is formatted like a sitcom yeah you know sitcom a story b story still has that kind of thing, but um, do you like this better than the movies the ted the t v show yeah,
1: uh, I think so, yeah, I think there's a a um sweetness to the young John who is has this teddy bear friend, and I really like his father um who's played by the same guy who plays Gordon on yeah. The Orville.
0: The actor's name is Scott Grimes.
1: Scott Grimes. Yeah. I really enjoyed his character on The Orville. He's very funny. And so I was I thought he was also good in this.
0: Penny Johnson Gerald, who was Doctor Claire in the Oroville, she’s uh, Ted and John’s principal mm-hmm. on the show, and that is, an, it, you know, that is another thing I think I’ve mentioned uh, with Seth McFarlane as well. Um, like a lot of people, when he has a crew of people that you know he gains trust with in some way, shape, or form, they do tend to follow him from, um, you know, project to project. Like even in Ted Two, with the Liam Neeson cameo hmm you know um Liam Neeson was the bad guy in Seth MacFarlane's Western a million ways to die in the West oh really yeah I had no idea yep
1: what was that movie about
0: it was about a million ways to die in the West <laughs> um uh, it, it,
1: it, it I thought you might say that
0: yeah really it was a. a, a in terms of the actual storyline, it was a generic Western in terms of bad guy comes to, uh, you know, wreck, hike, town. terrorize a town and the good guy ends up uh, saving the day. But Seth, Macfarl- Seth MacFarlane jokes are thrown in throughout. Okay. You know, um, again, a lot of the same crew f- uh, from that movie ended up in others like the Giovanni Rabisi guy, the bad guy from the Ted movies. The weird guy with the mustache uh-huh. and whatnot. He's in that uh, a million ways to die in the West too. yeah, yeah. so is uh, Charlize the wrong Oh nice. yeah.
1: I wouldn't mind seeing
0: that. yeah, uh, yeah I wouldn't mind seeing her you know <laughs> but uh, it was it was okay. there was a they did, he did publish a novelization of, of that movie. Wow. yeah, so there is that. but overall, what has the your experience with Ted, has that broadened your opinion of Seth MacFarlane? Um, is this better than Family Guy to you, even though he's using Peter Griffin's voice for Ted?
1: Yeah, he's using Peter Griffin's voice for Ted, but I enjoy Ted more than Family Guy for sure. But Ted does have those jokes, just fewer of them, where I'm like, that's not funny, or i laugh at it and i'm like i shouldn't have laughed at that like he takes pot shots i think sometimes at people
0: i agree i mean in his defense uh you know for the type of comedy that he does like i said nobody's safe if that makes sense so in a, it's like, I, it's like to me, like you don't have to like the joke to understand that it's just a joke. You can just say it didn't work for me and move on while not thinking that, you know, he actually believes some of the stuff that's said. I just think to your point, maybe, maybe you could still be that extreme without having to go the extra route, if you know what I mean. Of course, you would shake your head now. <laughs> Um In terms of, like, like, because I know they've made, like, uh, you know, like, racial jokes. Yeah. Um, also, there, I, I know the joke I think you're referring to that you said you didn't like was when Ted mentioned, uh, made a joke about sexual assault, I believe, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, trigger warning, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, for a like, comedy.
1: Yeah. I mean... I wouldn't watch it if you're easily triggered, honestly.
0: Yeah, if Full House is too extreme for you. Ted is not the show for you to watch.
1: Right. Like, it's a sitcom, but it's still,
0: like, rude. Indeed. Um, especially when they're dealing with episodes to where, you know, high schoolers are smoking weed and all that. Yeah. You know, which never happens. How dare my kid find out about weed? Oh, my God. Anyway. So, Seth McFarland seems like you've got an even bigger fan now. You think so? I think you're a bigger fan, aren't you?
1: Well, you know, he he has just surprised me with the quality of his work.
0: Yeah, I mean the guy who did Ted was also responsible for Cosmos. So Right? You know? Yeah. Can't go wrong there. But no. Anyway. And about- Ted's
1: just really cute. He's he's a teddy bear.
0: Except when he's jumping out of, yeah, I'm the king of the wieners. <laughs> the first episode. That's yes. a funny gag. Mm-hmm. Totally. How about we send it to one of our friends at the Deluxe Edition Network?
1: That sounds great.
0: Yeah. Folks, sit back, relax, hear Mimsy in the background calling for somebody, and listen to one of our friends at the Deluxe Edition Network.
1: Wow. Hey there, it's the barrel Age Chicks. I'm Sammy. I'm Snow. I'm Crystal, often called Moused. And I'm here too. Yes! And then we also have Yen and Harley, who sadly are not with us, but that's okay. We're here to talk to you about our podcast. Woo! Mm-hmm. Tune in because it's just, it's a lot of fun. And you get to hear the chick side of things. You to BS about movies and drinking and life and momming. Lots and we're of good. laughing. Lots of laughing. I laugh it. But it's great. Yes. We maybe. have finished our first season and we're starting our second season. Woo! Good Lord. 2024, here we come. I know. Enjoy it. Join us on all of the platforms. Hear them talk and me listen. You talk. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Pretty much anywhere you can hear voices on a phone.
0: And yeah. So give us a follow. Check us out. Watch us give Ron aneurysms. This is the best part. And
1: thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon.
0: the guitar easy to pick up easy to learn a chord or two but it's a lifetime journey to master and even someone like a jimmy hendrix stevie rayvon and eric clapton or jimmy page will are are not even masters as of yet despite how much they know because when you work with a musical instrument that's a lifetime journey yeah And what we wanted to do this week, instead of talking about more professional wrestling, um, as we record this today, I edited uh, one of our episodes and realized that we had three weeks in a row of professional wrestling topics. And I think that's three weeks too many for the professor.
1: (laughs) But somehow you get away with
0: it. Sometimes, yes, but uh, we're going to be talking about a fun topic here. This is a playlist episode. Uh, Playlist episodes are ones where we come up with our five favorite songs based on on a theme. And then um, explain why we chose those songs. And then at the end of it, you folks at home will be able to go to YouTube and listen to the playlist that we put together. And our theme this week is that we wanted to pick five songs that we want to play on guitar.
1: That's right, which is very exciting because it's always good to be thinking about what songs you want to learn to play.
0: Yes, now when do you remember picking up a guitar for the first time? It doesn't have to be the exact date of course, but generally.
1: Well, my father played guitar, my mother tried to play guitar, my uncle plays guitar really well. So I was around guitars from the time I was very small and, you know, I'm sure I tried to play. I remember my dad had or had a um, Roy Acuff big note song book, which had these little stickers that you put on the strings on the frets where your fingers were supposed to go. And that's how it taught you how to make chords. And I somehow learned a couple of chords from that. And played a couple songs probably when i was 16 ish and always had an interest in playing and then i got a um, guitar at some point in the 90s i think for my 21st birthday or something like that and i loved it and i just played it all the time i played it every day and i'd play it out at open mic nights mm-hmm. i wrote songs I was really obsessed about it for a while.
0: A modern day Sarah McLaughlin or
1: something like that. Yeah. Very 90s feminist songs. And um, this is inspired by Jewel. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about. The Lilith Fair moment, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. The 90s got to love it.
1: Anyway, what was I saying about the 90s? Oh, I received this guitar in the 90s. I got obs- obsessed about it for a while. Um, then went to law school and stuff, kind of moved around the country, didn't play so much. But I've gotten more into playing since the pandemic. It was one of the things that I did every day to keep myself from going, you know, more crazy than I already was.
0: Living with me would do that. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <gasps> yeah i threw you a softball there <laughs> well for me i grew up loving the guitar grew up in the golden era of mt the second golden era of mtv the second half of the 80s um not the basically 87 88 is when i started really getting into music and that's when you know like guns and roses were hitting it big aerosmith was hitting it big um def leopard all those bands and the common denominator among all of them, kick-ass guitar players, but um, my, and it was to the point that my mother even, you know, bought me, like, a really small guitar at one point, but this is before the internet. I didn't have an app I could download that would show me all of the chords, Uh, and I didn't um, know where to begin, so ultimately, you know, it was was making noise, but it wasn't, uh, you know, a chord or anything like that. It wasn't until the pandemic that I started you know it, it, everything started coming together myself uh in terms of my playing and, and like i said i have my a guitar now uh, another guitar now that i call dusty <laughs> um, but uh th- yeah like I, I know i'm never going to be like in a band or anything like that but it is awesome being able to even if it's just a partial bit of a song that i know being able to play you know, and, I mean, I, and be, because in a way, and I'm sure you can speak to this, if you're playing a song written by somebody else and you interpret it in a unique way or just even copy it, you're still kind of inhabiting that spirit uh, that, that was put behind that song. You're putting yourself in the shoes of, you know, whatever artist in question that you're covering if, if you're playing their songs. And that's a special bond. Yeah, if you think about it metaf- metaphorically. Metaphorically,
1: yeah. yeah. And you always want to see the people that you play their music, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you always play music of people that you really enjoy.
0: Indeed, indeed. So what we wanted to do, as mentioned, is tell you our choices of songs that we want to play on guitar. Whether it just be a little portion of it or whether it's the entire song. Just something about these particular songs. Um, Just kind of speaks to us in a way that makes us want to uh you know create and be live in that moment you know
1: well i mean i pick songs that i would like to play that are too hard for me to play so it's kind of like a stretch list for me um or songs that i've tried to play and i'm very frustrated that i cannot play
0: so you will not be playing any Ingve malmsteen no okay <laughs>
1: I don't even know who that is.
0: Uh, um, he is a metal guitarist from the 80s, still plays today, but does a lot of work with like symphonies in uh, the guitar and like Eddie Van Halen without proper pop song structure.
1: Ah, I see. You know,
0: just really good, but, you know, he was going to be only for like the super hardcore guitar fans. Right. Uh, but I do remember Ingve, <laughs> I guess, went to the hearing aid thing, and this was covered in the Dio documentary. um Dio put together uh, something similar to the, you know, We Are the World because he tried to join that and they wouldn't let him because he was in metal. So he got a bunch of metal artists to sing a benefit song and uh I remember saying that yeah Ingve showed up but then they had um uh the, it p- played by michael mckeon but they invited uh spinal tap there mm-hmm. as well michael mckeon as his character um says i'm glad that Ingve puts the j in Ingve J malmstein because you will don't, don't get him you don't get him mixed up with the other Ingve malmsteens <laughs> in the world out there.
1: <laughs> Right, yeah, it's a very common name, inve,
0: Yeah, Long it's Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, rules off the tongue. But what we're gonna do? We're gonna go back and forth, give give our choices about give you know say the song, question the group why we picked it, and you know start some conversation from there. So, did you want to start, or did you want me to start?
1: I'll start. My number one choice is a Beatles song. Perhaps we won't be surprised and it is Dig a Pony. I love this song. I think it is so cool, and I would love to play it. It's very hard to play. It has a bunch of sharps, and majors, and minors, and sevenths, and ninths, and all kinds of things that I cannot deal with. Like, I I can't process the information even to try to play it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you could just imagine like your hands end up like in a Looney Tunes cartoon when the hands are going all together. And, and they get all tied, like and, it's and all tied up
1: in knots and, and yeah. you can't move them anymore. Yes, yes, it does feel that way. So, um, also, I could never learn the words to this song. Yeah. That you, it, I cannot learn the words to things that don't tell a story.
0: Lennon at this time knew that his songs were being interpreted like, you know, you would interpret like a poet's lyrics and stuff like that. So there were times to where he would be really sarcastic and write songs like this or I am the walrus and just make it as much gibberish as possible.
1: Right. To see, like, to point out the absurdity
0: of what it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that he didn't mind people, you know, enjoying his lyrics or thinking for interpretations, but, at, you know, just like Freud said, a cigar is just can sometimes just be a cigar. A song can just be a song sometimes. It doesn't have to mean anything more than just the surface level of enjoying it.
1: Sure, but the cigar thing doesn't really work since Bill Clinton. Okay. Mm-hmm. A cigar is not just a cigar.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> um definitely a great album for guitar work um interesting enough the let it be um uh, yeah the let it be uh the guitar solo on the album is different than the guitar solo on the single of let it be
1: really Yep.
0: Yeah. the more you know <laughs> do you know why that I don't know, and the single version of the song is slightly shorter too. Like the end chorus, when they, you know when Paul does the "Let It Be," "Let It Be" type of deal, they repeat it on the album, but um, only do it like once, I believe, at the end. So it's like the single's slightly shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the "Let It Be," i like it, like you know, like we've talked about, uh, you know, going back for a while now, is was kind of like their way back into just the type of music that they first got into, but with a more modern at that time take mm-hmm. you know the, the, it was the, the, it was guitar bass drums and you know with Billy Preston there with the keyboards and it wasn't you know relying upon George Martin to you know hire a symphony orchestra or do this and it's not that they you know didn't love that part of the job as well but you know when you you're in a band and you play instruments you want to be able to be in a band and play instruments you know <laughs> And that uh, album is kind of uh, you know even though it does have a number of songs that are difficult, it still inspires you to want to you know b- b- play at least once if you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like definitely. Yeah. I think Abbey Road's the same way. Just mm-hmm. full of really great songs, and if you can learn any of them, you're that's great.
0: Yeah. Just thinking about the opening to Here Comes the Sun, I, you know, my hands, ooh, that would fall off.
1: I used to play that one. Not like George Harrison did.
0: Yeah. I did it the Aubrey way, the best
1: way. <laughs> I did it the Aubrey way, the easiest way.
0: Yeah. All right, shall I go on? Yes. My number one? Yes. All right, right. my number one here. I can already somewhat play this song. It is a Nirvana song. It's about a girl from their first album, Bleach, um, and it was the first track off of uh, their MTV unplugged uh, uh, session. But the main part of the song is just two chords: E minor and G.
1: Oh, nice! And if
0: you you know have the your, I believe it's how you have your fingers placed on the on the E minor chord. Like it, you would normally do it one way, but if you do it another way, it makes it much easier to switch over to a G. Yeah, you just have to remove one one finger. Yeah. And, And I just made it sound a lot more difficult than it is. But, you know, what a great song. You know, like Cobain said, it's off their first record. And it, in a lot of ways, showed the beauty of his work because it was... The the electric version on the original album was grungy, loud type of deal, but it did have a melody to it. It was, uh, you could, you know, knowing how much of a fan of the Beatles that Kurt Cobain was, you could, you know, this song was clearly inspired by them. Really? Yeah. But also too, I think back to the day we heard the news that he passed and watching MTV Unplugged on repeat, and th- 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 their their appearance on MTV Unplugged Unplugged on repeat, and just that song, just simple, but says so much, and that's kind of the beauty of Nirvana, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is the beauty of Nirvana. That is, you know, Nirvana.
0: Yeah, metaphorically and literally, and all that. Right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Anyway, any 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 comments about? a girl
1: about a girl i can't even remember how it goes
0: i mean if i played it for you you would know it but uh, being that it was off of their first album that is a lesser known album it, it was not never mind
1: right exactly yeah and that was definitely the first time i started listening to them
0: I, yeah and
1: i never went back
0: <laughs> the first album is okay it has some good stuff um like like i said like even today I, I wouldn't call nirvana my absolute favorite band because for me the only album i really truly like like anybody else is never Mind. Mm-hmm. you know the other ones like uh in utero it's hard to listen to now Mm. just because of the lyrics, everything he was talking about, and knowing what he was dealing with in his personal life. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh. Um, Also, I featured... uh, uh, You know, last year when I was doing Tim's Tremendous Tapes, I you know, featured a track from the Beavis and Butthead Experience album, and there was a song that Nirvana had on that album that was supposed to be on In Utero that they didn't, titled, like, uh, I Hate Myself and Want to Die, I think it was called. Mm. And it's just like... You know, he was being quite open. But anyway, about a girl, great song. He was a great singer, great songwriter. And
1: now, have you looked into this in terms of what it would take to play it?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, the main part of the song, E um, and e minor, yeah, those I know it's once they go into like the chorus mm-hmm. but I you know, and it's been a while, so I don't know the chords off the top of my head, but the you know, Kurt didn't use too many you know fancy chords. you know, he was just a typical power chord uh type of type of player, really, yeah, all right. How about
1: cool, you're kind of like that.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you, darling. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you go on with your next one?
1: Okay, my next one is from the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses. Also very hard and very popular. Like, I feel like if I could play that, people would love it. People would sing along. But it's too hard. I can't play some of the chords. And, like, they're so hard that I cannot learn them. Like, I've been playing guitar for 20 years now, and I
0: haven't learned these chords. Damn you, Keith Richards. And he did all that in heroin. Think about (laughs) (laughs) it. Right, at the same time. Yeah, come in. (laughs) (laughs) Great song from them. Um, I mean, they're another band, too, that really inspires you to just not necessarily start your own group, I guess, but to capture their joy of singing and just you know whether it be singing in the shower singing in the car um dancing to their music or something like that or picking up a guitar yourself and trying to replicate uh you know what they do just yeah beautiful right
1: yeah totally beautiful
0: all right speaking of beautiful shall i um, besides you of course should i go on to the next song
1: yes please all right <laughs> speaking of beautiful it's your turn
0: Hey all right this one is in a song that has kind of grown on me a lot these past few weeks and i've already you know sent you a text where we talked about uh talked about it at one point but it comes from mr neil young and it's Harvest Moon. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would even want to learn the whole song, just that opening um, bit at, at the beginning. <laughs> 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 and I'm, yeah, it's nearly. I again.
1: thought it started with the. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. No, okay.
1: <laughs> That's more like Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
0: <laughs> neither, of us, <laughs>
1: neither of us are very good at humming tunes.
0: Yeah. I, I for me that it's the whole Acapella okay.
1: singing thing. is just not it's not our speed.
0: Yeah. Well speaking of that, Neil Young though. Unique cat. In music history Um, he was part of the group in Canada Um, he hung around with other musicians in Canada Grant
1: Parsons
0: in the 60s Um, but he he knew like the the group that became the band Mm -hmm. Um, ended up making his way to California he did session work with the monkeys Mm. he was in Buffalo Springfield Crosby stills Nash & Young um he had his own um, band with crazy horse and he's done plenty of solo stuff the first time i ever was aware of him was that uh satire video he made for this notes for you Mm. that was banned off of mtv but they only banned it because he was making fun of 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 like some of their sponsors right um but the funny part is he ended up winning like the video of the year at the at that year's mtv video music awards and so, like, at first, I thought, like, this Neil Young guy, is he like a Weird Al Yankovic? Hmm, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but th- th- he's somebody that has just found a way to be re- relevant in any time. I mean, because, like, in the 90s, he was coming out with some great work, like the Mirrorball album. It was an album that he did, and his backing band was Pearl Jam. Oh, wow. And there's a great song on there called Downtown. Um, I even remember the first special that was on tv it was a telethon after 9 11 and it was neil young and the piano singing imagine mm. and on the surface i at, at first it was like how is this gonna work because neil young has a unique voice let's put it that way yeah but once he got once he got rolling it was it was a beautiful uh it was a beautiful song much like harvest moon and just, he has a way to bring emotions out in songs. That's amazing. And being able to just play a little bit of it would be awesome.
1: No, I agree. I used to play a couple of his songs. I can't remember which they are at this moment. The popular ones. <laughs> the ones that everybody plays that are good and easy.
0: Mm. Yeah, that. speaking of that, George Harrison, I, I guess, was interviewed and said that, you know, he thought Neil Young was a nice guy, but he didn't like him as a guitar player. <laughs> nice so there is that anyway what's your number three
1: my number three is something by nine inch nails and i chose "Head like a hole and i want to play this on my acoustic guitar because i think it would be entertaining but once again the chords are too difficult
0: is there a way to adjust them to cowboy chords
1: you you have you it's possible and it's, you know, cool now. You don't have to know anything about music theory. You just go on um, un- Unlimited Guitar Tabs, Guitar Tabs Unlimited, which is this great online program that has, like, a million sets of chords. And you can favorite them if you have an account, and you have all the songs you can play all together, like a songbook. It's really cool. And I think the premium version even is, like, very cheap. Anyway, I think they sell it by the year because it's so cheap, it's like fifteen dollars a year or something. It totally worth it for me because I am not very organized, and it's nice to be able to. I for a while I was printing things out and having them in a book, and it just it's gotten too much. Like I have too much of that, like papers and binders. Like it's, it's not a good system.
0: Well, you should utilize uh, your iPad more for the guitar stuff. Really. Yeah, and you'd be able to have that app on the iPad and, you know, save whatever files you want on there and just, you know, with your finger, zoop, zoop. Okay. Modern thinking, baby.
1: <laughs> you just love iPads.
0: I do. I love my iPad. Nice. I adore it. <laughs> but what, like, have you heard, yeah, I mean, the, this is the album uh, that gave us Hurt. No, it was the album after, The Downward Spiral had that, but... But my point, though, was that, you know, on the on the surface, it may seem weird, Nine Inch Nails and acoustic guitar, but Johnny Cash kind of proved that that can happen.
1: Exactly. And other people have done it in the past, and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy reinterpreting older songs in new ways and that are kind of making everything into a folk song. I think that's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, here's my cover of Motorhead. <laughs>
1: exactly. What's that motorhead song I like? Time to play the game. I should.
0: The game, yeah.
1: Yeah, the game. I should figure out how to play that.
0: Yeah, maybe. All right. How about I go on to my next one? Okay. All right. My next one is from a singer and songwriter that I first saw on this little television show on CBS called The Deuce of Hazard. Oh, Mr. Waylon Jennings. Wow. One of those people that even in the days where I would swear on a Bible and on my mother's grave that I did not like country music, the one person I would always have a caveat for would be Waylon Jennings. Really? Yeah. And the song I picked is Luke and Bach, Texas. Mm. Um, I, like, right now, I couldn't tell you what the chords were, but when I've looked them up in in the past, a very simple song. The Wayland was, you know, from what I've seen from the songs of his that I've searched for the, you know, the chords for. He primarily worked in with cowboy chords. Yeah. And, you know, he was able to make some really beautiful music Yeah, uh, with that. And, you know, Luchenbach, Texas, one of uh, his bigger hits, of course, mm-hmm. um, with a, a duet by Mr. Willie Nelson. That's right. Uh, at the end of that particular song. But uh, just, yeah, he's... Waylon, also, I, I forgot that to mention, too, Waylon was a member of Buddy Holly's band really yeah not the crickets because the crick is apparently like disbanded or something like yeah, that shortly totally. before buddy holly's death but the last touring band and in fact waylon jennings um i guess uh he ended up giving his seat to richie valens on the plane oh wow and that ended up uh you know messing with his head <laughs> i
1: bet yeah that sounds terrible.
0: Yeah. Having said that, you know, Waylon throughout the years, like there was uh, on YouTube, there's this channel that has like uh, collections of clips from uh, Late Night with David Letterman. And they had one uh, that was a collection of Every Time Waylon Jennings was on. And they had a they had one where Waylon came out and sang a medley of Buddy, Buddy Holly songs, which was cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That sounds great.
0: But yeah, again, just one of those pure country souls country uh, music artist that this to me is what he did was country music and but he also appreciated other forms of music as well he he was not afraid to cover a fleetwood mac song written and sung by stevie nicks you know <laughs> gold dust woman
1: right Exactly.
0: You know, so he he took a lot of chances, and I, I I love that spirit, and I think that's what I love most from the quote unquote outlaw country movement is the fact that you know they're just musicians, they love music, and if they there's something in a reggae song that they f- think will fit in their work, they're going to use it, and it's going to sound good.
1: Yeah, I mean that's how music grows and changes, right? It's cross pollination between different musicians all
0: around the world. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of that. Mm-hmm. What's your next one?
1: My next one is Anything from the Album Blue by Joni Mitchell. Every single one of these songs has some wacky chord that I cannot play in it, um, but I love them so much. And I would love to be able to play that whole album from start to finish, you know, it's his concept album, Blue. And it's about her relationship and breakup in her, you know, early adulthood.
0: Was she someone that dated Bob Dylan? No. No. That was Joan Baez. and Joan Baez did. But, you know, Dylan being Dylan, I don't know who he dated.
1: (laughs) He, you know, he kept who he dated pretty under the the radar, except for...
0: Joan Baez. Joan
1: Baez, yeah. Yeah. Who wrote the song Diamonds and Rust, which was covered by Judas Priest, another cross-pollination that you go, huh... But it sounded pretty good.
0: I, I, yeah, I remember playing. Like I, I told you that they covered one of our songs, and you were like, "Ew, really?" <laughs> but then I played it, and you know, to uh, you know, when when you listen to it, yeah, you were like, eh, "Not that bad." Like I don't think you're gonna listen to it again, of course.
1: Right, never again.
0: In <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Oh no, <laughs> go away!" But um,
1: wash my ears out.
0: Yeah. Now, when it comes to Joni Mitchell, I'm going to shock you in stating that. I don't believe I've heard any track from this album. It's possible I may have. Maybe there's something. Because what is that parking lot song? Is that on there? No. Okay, then I have not heard anything off of this album. Still.
1: Yeah, it's a concept album. And it didn't have hits on it. You kind of have to listen to the whole album.
0: Yeah, and I know it's one of those uh, one of those albums that you know you do hear get bandied about as one of the best of all time. Like, is there one track on there? That, like, if you had to s- say to somebody, I know you don't have time to listen to this whole album, but listen to this today.
1: Yeah, it's the one that starts, I'm on a lonely road and I'm traveling. I don't know the, the name of the song, but okay. it is such a great song. There are just so many good songs on that album, though. Carrie is another great song about her her traveling around Europe and Greece. There's a great sort of Christmas song on it called River and i mean just every song on it is amazing and i would love to play any of them
0: and i heard she's actually doing uh limited engagements
1: yes i just saw that
0: yeah um i I guess she had been dealing with health issues Mm -hmm. for a number of years but she's at the point now um to where yeah i mean she's not going to do like a worldwide tour or anything like that i don't think anybody at her age would necessarily want to unless you're the Rolling stones but even they aren't doing the normal types of tours that they've done in the past. They are doing limited dates. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Joni Mitchell. Shall I go on with my next one? Yes, please. All right. This next one, it blew my mind finding out that Willie Nelson wrote this song. I grew up listening to the um, version that I thought was the original.
1: This Patsy Klein crazy.
0: Patsy crazy. And I, because... Again, once I heard Willie that wrote that song, it was like, "Whoa, really?" And um, there, and I think uh, uh, there's another feature that I did on Tim's tremendous tapes. I did feature a song from the album uh, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson Storytellers. Mm. To where, you know, Willie ended up singing crazy uh, during the show, but, you know, he talked about, you know, writing the song and how Patsy Cline uh, did her thing. And it's one of, I mean, the beauty of Willie Nelson, similar to Waylon Jennings, is a lot of his stuff, beginning guitar players can learn quite easy and quite fast if they're just persistent. Yeah. And it's a great way to kind of just test out emotion in song too, because... Willie does so much with so little Mm -hmm. and what do I mean by that? He realizes that you don't have to be like an Eddie Van Halen. Okay. And I know that's a different type of music compared to what he did, but you know, Willie is more about, you know, what's between the notes than the notes themselves. And I think Patsy Cline to her credit, like took what Willie did and ended up making it better. Even though the, if you listen to both of their original tracks, uh of this song the back like the background vocals and the music is like virtually identical but just a beautiful beautiful song
1: such a great song
0: and that's another thing too that's a documentary we have to finish on paramount plus the willie nelson family documentary
1: oh right yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, his life story. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to crazy, it comes to crazy. Like my mother was a, a '60s country fan, and, and you know made that clear uh, to us growing up. And you know she watched that uh, Jessica Lange movie, Sweet Dreams, over and over again uh, when you know we had the HBO free weekends and stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. I remember when that movie was playing a lot on HBO. I watched it many, many times. Yeah.
0: And and also too, the beauty of this song um is it this is a song that you do have to have a little life experience for it to get. When you're a middle schooler like I was or, you know, an elementary schooler when I first heard this song, you're not gonna get it, you're not gonna like it. But once you're in your twenties, your thirties, you've had your heart broken a few times, crazy's gonna mean the world to you absolutely all right what is your last one
1: my last
0: one is by bob
1: dylan who's my longest running favorite musician i have many now but he was the first and so longest running Mm -hmm. and the song i want to learn to play is sad eyed lady of the lowland it is such a long song it's like a epic story in song form i love the imagery in it like it's it's poetry set to music really
0: yeah and i know when we did that episode on overrated musicians i you know in a way flippantly put him on on my list of overrated but his impact on popular music today like he, he's if you have to think about it in the 20th century If he's not the number one most important musician of the 20th century, he has to be number two. Mm -hmm. Like, he's one of the most important because, you know, it's not because uh, anything he did was terribly difficult. It wasn't. I mean, he used a lot of cowboy chords, too. And, you know, look at his voice. Voice is not the best in the world, but everything together just still works. The fact that you he was able to create these songs that in other um, musicians' hands they were able to um you know do something else like
1: yeah I, the universality of the songs themselves you know they could be reinterpreted over and over again by different people
0: yeah i mean like the biggest example of course all along the watchtower mm-hmm. his version compared to hendrix um just n- night and day but that shows the beauty of that song, that you know, it could be taken by someone like Jimi Hendrix and made into his own majestic, wild you know, th- th- type of guitar sound that was the antithesis of Dylan at that time.
1: Until he found Jesus and went electric.
0: Yeah, that's when they ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh Mr. Dylan. <laughs>
1: we don't want to hear your 80s crap.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, shall I go on with my last one here? Yes, please. All right. My last one here, pretty simple song. You know, they say that to be in a rock band, all you need to know is three chords and the truth. And I think this song found that a long time ago Mm -hmm. from a band called The Trogs, Wild Thing. Oh. It really is three chords. Now, I went to the website you go to. Uh, for um, you know, to find out what the chords were, and I, I'm able to play those chords. It just on my guitar, it didn't sound like wild thing. It sounded like something different altogether. But it literally is just the same three chords over and over again.
1: Yeah, it's just the rhythm, right?
0: Yeah, just just, and it's all just a down down strum too. It's mm-hmm. like, you know t- type of deal i mean acdc worshipped at the feet of the Trogs. oh wow yeah if, if you think about it i mean I, I i don't know for sure but in terms of you know like simple chords put together for powerful rock songs mm-hmm. like i i would be shocked if they didn't um but wild thing very very simple like i said but fun and just it it, it can be delivered in so many ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jimi Hendrix did a cover of Wild Thing, I, I think, I at Monterey Pop, and I believe at Woodstock as well. Um, Sam Kinison did a cover of Wild Thing, like, the, he ended up making that famous uh, in the 80s, but just, that's one I want to be able to finally master, because, damn it, it is just three chords.
1: Yeah, awesome. I hope that you keep playing so that you can master that song.
0: Yeah, maybe one day we'll put it on the airwaves here at the Friends Talking Nerdy Network.
1: Maybe. Wouldn't that be exciting?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, we've heard your music before, like the theme song for Hump Day that you created. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And original music. Yeah. That's going back in the archives, but... That is our list, folks. If you go to our show description, uh, click on the link that will take you to YouTube to where you can listen to this music on your own. Do you have any closing remarks about uh, these songs in general for our audience at home?
1: Well, you know, just that I hope that everybody has their own songs that they hope to learn how to sing or perform in some way. Because um, that's it's really fun to perform for your friends or just
0: even just doing it on your own it, it's just being able to have that you know small connection with another artist by being able to play something you know like yeah ide- ideally with music music is best enjoyed with other people uh, so you know to your point yes being able to play a song to you know play for people for them to enjoy is great but Just the sheer act of creation is great too. So, so at the end of the day, no matter what the song is, it could be a song that people consider the greatest ever, or it could be a silly pop song. If it gets you picking up an instrument and wanting to play, whether it's guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, drum machine, do it. Absolutely. Life is too short not to not to create something. And you don't have to be a touring, paid musician to be good and enjoy what you do.
1: That's right. And, you know, a good friend of mine said once that if you had a guitar, you would never be lonely. Because you could always entertain yourself
0: and, like you said, be connected to other artists. I agree with that. So... Thank you all once again for joining us for another lovely episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. Each Monday, we'll have something in this podcast space to entertain your ear holes. Until we meet again, we bid you adieu. Farewell. Keep on playing, baby. You get a Cadillac.
1: Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.